Hello and welcome to the first ever From the Ashes wrestling podcast. I'm going to be your host on this experience. My name is Paul Ash. I've been a professional wrestler and a wrestling trainer for the past 24 years. And even more importantly, I've been a wrestling fan for the past 30. I've literally been a fan of wrestling since I was first an adult. Some people would say I'm still working towards that goal, but you get you get the point. I've had a wonderful career. I've experienced and achieved a tremendous amount. But when I first started out, it was a very different world. I started out in 1996 and Google wasn't even a company, let alone some kind of creepy Skynet AI trying to take over the world. And wrestling's changed a lot over those 30 years. In the four different decades that I've worked in, I've been very, very lucky. I've achieved a tremendous amount. I was one half of the first nationally recognized tag team champions at 23 years old. I've been British champion six times. I've trained in America. I've trained with WWE world champions. I've done a lot. And now as I'm 43 years old, I've transitioned a little bit and I'm no longer in front of the curtain as much. I'm now behind the curtain more as the head booker, chief creative for Ultimate British Wrestling Company, unbelievably close to me that I devote my entire time to, mostly for helping train up and develop the next generation of wrestling stars for the UK who are going to go on and hopefully follow in the same footsteps as me, experience the same things as I have, and get to live their dream and enjoy this as much as I have. Now, I started this podcast out to speak to the people who have laid the foundations for our business today, but also to speak to the people who are paving the way for the future ahead. I want to get to know them, know their stories, know their journeys and how they started in wrestling and how it's gone so far, what they're going to be doing next. And quite, I think most importantly, how they get to be sharing a podcast with a man who once urinated next to Triple H while his friend was in the stall narrating his bowel movements. It's a legitimate story. I'll share it another time. Today, I'm going to be speaking to one of the brightest stars in the wrestling universe right now. Someone who has become an international star. She's broken into Japan on a regular basis for stardom wrestling. She has stood atop divisions across multiple promotions in the UK. And more importantly, she's someone I'm very, very proud to call my friend. Today, I'll be talking to Bobby Tyler. First off, I'm going to have a little bit of commentary myself, a few views and stuff of wrestling at the moment, things that have been going on. So if you do want to get past my rambling and go straight to the interview with Bobby, that's not a problem. I'll put the notes in the podcast notes of the timestamps. Um, I won't hold it against you. I might. But I wanted to talk about last weekend's Royal Rumble. Now, I haven't watched a wrestling pay-per-view, supercard, whatever you want to call them now, for quite a long while. I, I really kind of fell out of love with the product a lot last year, and I found it very difficult to watch. But I watched the Rumble because, well, it's the Rumble. <laughs> it's the biggest card of the year. It's even bigger than WrestleMania, in, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's. It's the most exciting. It's the one with the big surprises. and it's the most enjoyable to watch live. Now, I thought the Women's Rumble was very, very good, really enjoyable. I'm really glad they put Bianca Belair over. She's someone that I've been shouting about for a very long while, even when she first came into, I think it was the May Young tournament a year or two ago. And she was billed by some people as a one-trick pony because of the, the, the hair whip thing. But early on, you could just see that she was a star. She had something different. She had some presence and some personality. And I thought right from the word go, if they just give her a chance, she could be a big star. And I think going with her and hopefully keeping the pressure on and actually giving her a run is definitely a good thing. Uh, I think she's a tremendous talent in the making. She's young. She's an athlete like no other. I think she'll be a really, really good one to go with. It was really good seeing Victoria back in the ring. Didn't think we'd ever see her back there, but seeing her back in there and, and doing her thing, it was it was a nice nostalgia pop, and it was good to see her interacting with the new, younger girls, being someone that really kind of paved the way for them. And it was really good. The match itself, I, I thought, overall flowed very well. It was, it was very fun, uh, and it was thoroughly enjoyable. The men's rumble, I would honestly say it was one of the best ones I've seen in a very, very, very long time. 
of course, there's the big feel-good moment, which we'll get to, but it had a lot of star power, which in a lot of the years past it hasn't had, but it's had quite a bit of star power in it. The return of Carlito was good to see, especially as he had a nice little run in there, a bit of dominance. There were some good spots in there. There was a lots of good continuation of feuds and, and rivalries that are going on. What they were doing with AJ and his bodyguard was enjoyable. And overall, it was very well paced. It was very well structured. I can't believe they missed Edge's spear again, but that's another thing. But the whole thing with Edge was, was fantastic. It was a real good feel-good moment. And Edge is one of those guys that everyone loves Edge because he's a real kind of person. And that kind of bleeds over into his character. Even when he's a heel, it bleeds over into that as well because you can see he's so passionate about what he does. And he's just so enjoyable to watch. He's so good at his craft. To think that he's 47 years old, hasn't worked in a year, practically, and he goes in there for an hour as number one and last through was, was incredible. It was a big, big thing to put on his shoulders. And let's be honest, by the end of it, he looked like he was done but he did incredible with it. And I think it really, really peaked when they did the story full circle and Christian came out. We obviously, we haven't seen Christian wrestle. I don't even know how many years it is now. Such a long while. As far as we understood, he was done for good. To see him not only be there, but to get involved and get involved with a younger talent. And then the reunition. Reunition? It's not even a word. But to see him get in there and get involved with the younger talent and, of course, the eventual reuniting with Edge, it was a tremendously feel-good moment. And it was it was almost like fandom, you know? It was like a kind of fandom moment of pleasing the fandom of giving them that. I thought it was fantastic. It was... It was almost predictable how the ending was going to go. But as I said to somebody as I was watching it, sometimes it's good to get what you predict. It's like Christmas. It's fun and nice to have the surprises, but if you know that you're getting a certain thing for Christmas and you unwrap it, you're not disappointed that it's something that you knew you were getting. You're happy that you wanted it and you got it in the end. And I think that's how the Rumble played out. It was very enjoyable. It was very well structured rumble and it may be very interested to see what comes next i want to see what they do with edge i want to see what they do with christian you could see during a match that edge and christian were both trying very hard to make sure they were working with the new guys working with ricochet working with aj working with some of the younger talents because they've clearly gone yeah you know i want to work with this new generation and it'll be really interesting to see if they can do it so it it gives me a little bit of hope for the future. Um, and it gives me hope with what they're doing with Bianca Belair as well. Let's hope that, that 2021 picks up a bit more than 2020 and it really pumps some new life into the product. I'm excited to see where it goes next. So anyway, my rambling aside, that's my summation of wrestling at the moment. Now we're going to get on to our main interview with Bobby Tyler. We have a very nice... I think, honestly, the most sensible conversation me and her have ever had. I've known Bobby now, it must be a good seven years or so. Known her since she was, a, she was a, a baby, she was a teenager. And I've seen her grow up into a young woman and seen her mature tremendously. And I've seen her grow as a person as well as a wrestler and become an unbelievable talent. I hope the future for her is even brighter than I know it can be. She has all the talent, all the drive, all the determination in the world. All she needs is an opportunity, and she would be a fantastic attribute for any major company out there. Um, I'm personally unbelievably proud of her, and I'm really excited to see what she does next. So this is our conversation. We go through a lot of things. We go through how she first started out, her journey in wrestling, some... Uh, very personal discussion about a friend of hers. And it's just it's just two very good friends chatting about the wrestling business. So I hope you enjoy it. I think there's as a podcaster, and I, you know, I call myself a podcaster, this is the first time I've been doing it. 
I've got a lot of work to do. I think I, I need to work on my presentation a bit. Uh, it was very kind of, I had it scripted out what I wanted to ask and it seemed like I was working from a script, but it, it's going to come in time. I'll get more comfortable doing this and hopefully over a few more episodes and I've had a few more people on and some more relaxation kicks in, it'll be even better. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's not too amateur for you uh, and I hope you'll follow me in the future. Let's get on to Bobby. Well, here we go. It's the first ever from the Ashes podcast. And we're starting it strong. We're starting it with someone who I've known a very long while, someone who's a very, very close friend to me, and someone who I can honestly say is incredibly unique. Welcome to the podcast, Bobby Tyler, aka Lucy. Hello, Paul. It's a bit strong saying that you're a good friend of mine, but uh, I'll let you think that. No, that's absolutely fair. You know, I'm just trying to ride on your coattails. So as long as you're yeah. okay with that. No, totally fine. Totally fine. Good. So, I mean, originally I would planned to start this podcast about a year ago uh, and I was going to theme it around UBW and, and the characters and the storylines. But obviously a lot went on last year and it didn't seem like the right time to do it. And I thought there was far more important things going on in the world and in wrestling. So I thought I'll put it on ice for a while. Um, but talking to people recently made me realize I really want to try and get this going. And I wanted to broaden the scope, speak mm. to more people, speak about bigger things. And I wanted to kick it off in a special personal way. And I thought there's nobody more special and definitely no more personal and special than my surrogate daughter herself, Bob Tyler. Oh, of I course. Uh, I say surrogate because there's no way I'd actually take real ownership of you. So, um, you know. You, you wouldn't want that. But no. I, am, I am flattered. Not flattened, flattered. Flattered and flattered. Yeah. And flattened, yeah. So... Let's start right from the beginning, okay? Uh, not when the Earth called and the dinosaurs came, but let's start at the beginning of your journey, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of genesis of, of Bobby Tyler. So when I first met you, um, UBW had, had first started at the time. You were just a teenage girl, very young. You were quiet, timid, soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. What on earth happened to that? <laughs> was it just years of trauma? Well, it was funny because I can still remember my first day of training and my mum and dad took me and walked me in and it was just like just all these guys Mm. and bear in mind I'd I'd never even most I did was netball do you know what I mean um so it was really weird environment and I I said to them going in I said you can go when we get in it's fine and then when I seen it I was I was a little bit intimidated so I kind of said to my mum I was like I mean, you can you can stay if you like, and she went, "No, it's fine." And I was like, "No, no, honestly, you can stay." And she's like, "No, no, it's okay." So I was like, "All right, then, bye." Um, so like, I, I was like a little a child on the first day of school, but um, she totally sold you out then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She she loved it. Yeah. I think yeah. So, uh, I so think, when... but as soon as soon as I was in, it was it was great. Do you know what I mean? Like within five minutes, I was so comfortable and happy, and it was. I was loving it, like so, loving it. So being the only girl in that class full of boys, which you were for quite a while, did you feel <laughs> any extra pressure to deliver and any kind of more pressure to prove yourself being the only female amongst all these young lads? Did you feel like you had to go the extra mile just to get one accepted and to see? Mm-hmm. I think I was quite lucky with you because you were very uh, adamant on the idea that you wanted to make sure I was treated the same way. Mm. Um, because I think it works both ways where obviously I want to put as much work in as everyone else, but I want to be treated like everyone else there, um, in return. So I think it works both ways. And obviously that's something you taught from very early on. So I've always had that attitude and I'm lucky enough to never have had an issue with that or never felt, especially in that training environment, I never felt like. I, I always felt like one of the guys, Yeah, if you know what I mean. No, I do. And, and I said to everyone very early on that they need to treat you same as anybody else in the school, no matter what your gender is, because to do anything less is disrespectful to you because <laughs> you shouldn't get treated differently purely because of your gender. And if they take it easy on you, it's disrespectful. And they're just, they're just going to get hit back harder for it. So, yeah, yeah totally. I, I've always... I've always kept that as a very important thing. And it's good to know that you you always felt that in your training. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been under the mindset of if someone says to me, 
I'm going to go easy on you. My, I just feel like, well, good, then this will be easy for me. I'm just going to, yeah. yeah, you're lost. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that was the perfect training environment for me. Good. Um, and I, a, a big part of it made me, um, I needed that in my life. Um, mm. as an older teenager, I was very underconfident. Um, and I, I never had anything to give me that confidence. Like I wasn't outgoing at school. I never really had big friendship groups. I never joined in um, activities and stuff and had hobbies. So I was very, you know, like hadn't had that time to branch out. So that for me was huge and mm. really started something in my life. Um, and that's just good to hear because I, I know that happens with a lot of people and, and I was the same myself. It, it, it's, it's interesting because it's a kind of a, a camaraderie and, and a brothership, sistership that gives you a lot, of, a lot of acceptance that you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have or a lot of kind of outreach you wouldn't necessarily have. Um, and I think it's very healthy for that in, in a lot of ways for people. It's, it's, it's good that it gave you that as well. And I think it's important at an early age, if, if it can help shape you in a positive way, it is very important to get that out Absolutely. Of it. Absolutely, yeah. So before training itself, um, how old were you when you first kind of discovered resting? What drew you into it? And what kind of stuff kind of really grabbed you? And, and who were your favourites growing up? Um, so it's funny because I can't actually remember the age I was when I started watching wrestling. It's all kind of a blur. Anything past yesterday, I can't really remember. I feel um, yeah, so um, I was I was quite young, um, and it was me and my sister. Uh, we'd it was on Sky Sports at the time. We didn't actually have Sky Sports, um, but we had it every so often. They'd give it like a month for free for certain subscribers, you know, to trial it out. And whenever we had that, we'd watch it all the time, mm. like all the time. And it's quite funny because everyone talks about their old brother. Um, mm. getting them into it but for me it was my youngest sister like we used to watch it all the time and play it out on the trampoline and you know we would get the pillows and everything it was yeah we watched it for so long you know whenever we could um, and then every so often like my grandma would give us pocket money and me and my sister would put together and say hey mum and dad can we get sky sports for a month you know can we can we just you know just so we can watch it nice. um and then eventually we could go on like www.com and keep up to date with stuff and then every so often we could get sky sports um and watch it but mm. yeah and then uh when i was a teenager my mom took me to see monday night raw for the first time and it was the best thing in the world um my favorite um was a diva called Eve Torres and I adored her I loved her so much and I'd get WWE magazines and cut out pages of her anything she was on I'd put it on my wall I was obsessed um and my mom took me uh to Monday Night Raw and I watched her win the divas title and I just I was just in a stand full of men and I was just a little (laughs) girl I was like crying I was like this is the best thing ever and I was like yeah, was, this is going to be me. I love this. This is special. So did you um, see her and kind of look at her and think like, you know, that's that's what I want to be. That's, that's a woman in a man's world who's exceeding and being a champion. Did you kind of look at her and have a, a bit of hero worship in that sense and go, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do? Yeah, 100%. I loved her as a performer and I loved her uh, as a person from reading about her in like WWE magazine and all the little things. I had when I was younger Mm. uh, the way she even just came across I just thought I just want to be this woman like to me she is what I envision myself as being so she really was like not just I wasn't just a wrestling fan for her she was like a role model to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was the first time I had something like that in my life Um, that was to have a hundred percent and even to this day like she's such a big inspiration still i'll still put on her matches if i want to get hyped i'll still um like she teaches a lot of like women empowerment um self-defense and i think like that is just incredible that she shares these things online daily 
um, for yeah. women to see. Um, it's yeah, and I just think she's the perfect role model to this day. Do you know what I mean? So uh, her and um, her and Kofi Kingston were my favourites mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, and they still are. So. Yeah, fair. I think everyone loves Kofi, one reason or another, and one level or another. Everyone loves Kofi. He's there's nothing about him to unlike or dislike. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, they were my favourite. So. so it's a big step to go from watching it as a fan and and being a, a fan of watching it as a as a consumer to actually giving it a go and getting up and trying it out itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen a lot of people over the years that have started that journey. They haven't seen it through when they realise how hard it is. What mm-hmm. kind of convinced you, and especially taking into account when you're saying that you weren't uh, a sporty person when you were younger, mm-hmm. what convinced you to both have a go at it in the first place and, and also stick at it once you realise this actually hurts a bit? What kind of – how did that work out? So um, I've always loved the performance side of things. Um, I used to do little school musicals and stuff, and I'd always love it. I'd live and breathe it when it happened. Um, obviously, that stopped as I got older. Uh, I started losing a bit more confidence. But there's always been that part of me that wanted to do that. Um, in regards to the sport aspect of it, I I wasn't someone that hated like PE. That was always my favourite thing. I always loved that. Um, I just hadn't found anything I enjoyed doing yet. And I think when I found wrestling... I just thought, well, I haven't found anything yet that I like. And there's nothing, no jobs stand out to me. Like, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. I just thought, this is what I want to do. Like, I personally love it so much. Hmm. Why not? If I love something so much and I feel passionate about it, that's what they say is the perfect job. So Hmm. why can't I put that into my situation? If I love something so much, why can't I work in that environment so yeah. i just thought well why not you know it's better than even if it doesn't work out at least i tried and if it does work out surely i'll be so happy so that's my mindset that's a really important thing actually you said there, and i've said this to to a lot of people before a lot of trainees and i probably even said it to yourself at one point mm-hmm. that i think with something like wrestling especially if it's something that you love so much at least try it and if you try it mm-hmm. and it doesn't work out or you do it for a short time you can at least say you've you've tried it there's so many people out there that have an interest in something that never have either the opportunity or maybe mm-hmm. courage to try it at least and yeah it's a big step to do and especially when you're stepping into an unknown but uh, to do it and to succeed at it as well obviously mm-hmm. it's the golden standard but um yeah it's it's good to know that when you got into it, you found your creative side. You found your the part of you that's clearly more interested in in being a, a creator and being a, um, um, an entertainer. And you mm-hmm. found an ability to do it. It's it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. I just think if you have that opportunity to do something that makes you happy, at least try and do it. Um, and then you're laughing. So yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So when you started out with UBW, uh, you mm-hmm. started out originally as a valet. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite a common path because you get to have experience of being out there and being at ringside. I personally, I try and avoid sticking female trainees into the valet role because it's just, you can learn at ringside. There's no doubt about that at all, but it's, I'd be very careful. I don't like easily going that route, but did you yeah. find doing that was beneficial to you? Did you find that you learned things while being at ringside and that close to the action and learning from the people you were working with? Yeah, absolutely. Because I had no, zero experience before. Um, the thought of just going out and wrestling a match is so daunting. So having that pressure lifted mm. and just being able to go out, still perform, but without the added pressure of wrestling a match was a great opportunity. Personally, um, that's how I knew it was something I wanted to do was wrestling was because I I didn't enjoy it. Um, it wasn't my favourite thing to do. Mm. It didn't feel right for me. Um, so I am not ungrateful for that. I am totally grateful. And if I could do it again, I would. Um, but I didn't, it wasn't for me. I couldn't have done it 
every week. Yeah, like I say, I think it's it's helpful in a way of getting you into it and getting you started. But you know when you're doing it whether same as when you first get in the ring, you know whether that's for you or not. Um, Alex is a great example. Alex, our referee, he tried mm-hmm. training. The physicality wasn't for him. Staying as a referee. Same and he's a great referee. And, and he is, absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's the same way the other way as well. You, you did the valet side, you got a taste of it. And I remember that first show and seeing you and the, the kind of fear in your eyes before you went out. I thought, oh, <laughs> I feel so sorry for her because, you know, she's going to get starstruck. Because we had a, a good packed, what, 400-person house? Yeah. As soon as you got out there, you were in your element, you were being a character, and you could just tell as soon as you got back. You could see the hunger in your eyes. And I, I remember talking to Rich at the time and saying, yes, yeah, she'll stick at it. She'll stick at it. She's got yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah so, it's, um, it's yeah. interesting because uh, I, in my head, I have this, this drive to do things and I have a goal. And I know in my head that I won't stop until I reach that goal. Hmm. But you hear so many people say it and then, you know, something happens or it doesn't quite work out. And you're just thinking, is that me? Am I just convincing myself that mm-hmm. I'm dismotivated or this is going to happen when it's not? But I can't show other people how driven I am without just doing it. So from that point in my head, I'm like, well, this isn't where I'm going to be. So I'll just do the job I need to do, but I'm going to keep working and get where I want to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you did. You you put the work in and you put the effort in and... And it, it paid off when, and, and this is, I think, still, I think it's still the pinnacle of your career so far. You had your debut match against, well, the entry point for most people into UBW and an entry point for a lot of people into wrestling against me <laughs> as as the, the indomitable, the terrifying, the deadly Major Lee Rotten. Oh, and he was Rotten. Oh, boy, he was. He was. Oh, God. Um, but, I mean, thinking back, I mean, we advertised that match with the local newspapers by doing a photo shoot of you stamping on a masked man in a public field outside <laughs> of your house on a weekday oh afternoon in spandex with people walking their dogs looking and going, what is going on over there? What it, was going through my head when I got into that? I know. But, it, it, I mean, the, the best thing was it was my birthday that day. And, and what more birthday present can you get than somebody jumping on you in a field and stamping on you while a photographer's going, yeah, one more, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it worked. And, you know, you, it got you in the national papers and it got a lot of a lot of press. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from me obviously putting you over strong and basically being responsible for all of your success from here. Of course. Um, <laughs> how was that match for you in terms of, like, excitement and nerves and the feeling afterwards? I remember how it was, from my perspective, seeing you afterwards. But take us mm-hmm. through what that was like for you in terms of the emotions and the feelings and everything well to me that was wrestlemania like that was <laughs> the biggest that was it, like something i dreamed of well you look back and you're like well, well that was it but at the time it was the biggest thing in the world my parents were there watching me i thought they they must be so proud of me right now look what i've done do you know what i mean um <laughs> like to me that was the biggest thing in the world and it's funny I just I can't remember a lot of it like I say like everything's a big Mm. blur and it happens a lot of the time I when good things happen I'm so in the moment I just almost forget to remember I don't know if that's a thing but no it's um, it's the adrenaline the adrenaline just kind of makes you go kind of almost emotionally blind because you just you just flooded with chemicals I, I remember you being nervous but just calming you way down when you were in there and just relaxing you and you you did everything fine. You you hit all your all your points fine. You you put on a really good match. Everyone come out of it going, oh, you know what? Yeah, she did really well. Um, yeah. And I remember you you were you were ecstatic afterwards. And it, it was great because it it meant a lot to me that one, it went well, and two, you felt happy afterwards, and three, that you had a chance to have a first match that that showed off well, because a lot of us have absolute stinkers for our first matches. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah I mean you did you feel afterwards that you were then set yes I'm this is definitely what I'm doing this is just the first of many I'm not not even faltered for a second I'm I'm going to force it on as far as I can do yeah it's funny I think 
to this day, I still have the same attitude after every match. For me, regardless of how it went, I'm already focused on my next move and already thinking, okay, Mm. this is for next time. Yeah, this has happened. Now I'm ready for next time. And I think since then, I'm still the same. I was the same then. I was just looking forward to the future. Yeah. Well, you're you're welcome for um, you know me launching you and, and giving you your moment of your career. You're welcome. So just you know, remember well, that when you're I, multi-millionaire. <laughs> well, I remember the only thing I remember specifically from that match was I had you in an arm bar and you powered me up with one arm, and I thought, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> The funny part of that is, as I was doing it, what was going through my head was, oh, God, am I going to be able to do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, it went wrong. So, um, obviously, you went on from there and did more in UBW, moved on to the rest of the UK scene, got out mm-hmm. there, got to a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the big point. Let's talk about Japan. Okay. I remember you talking to me when you were first approached by Stardom. And yeah. we had a conversation and I remember telling you absolutely take the opportunity if it's there. Mm-hmm. It's a chance to to learn so much, to experience so much. What actually went through your mind when arguably the arguably the biggest premier women's wrestling company in the world approached you with something like that as an opportunity? What kind of what went through your mind? What were your thoughts going into it? It's funny because it was so out of the blue and fairly early on in the, like the first time they contacted me was very early on. Um, I didn't have a lot of experience um, and it almost didn't feel real that they were contacting me. It took me, it wasn't even five minutes for me to clock on, wait, this is real. It took me like a couple of days, like checking and messaging people and going, is this real? Is what what let's google um, search this email address see if it's real yeah where where's this email coming from um obviously it was real um but at the time they first contacted me i did not feel ready to go to japan um personally and in the ring and out basically i just didn't feel like i matched the standards of the other women in stardom so the first time they actually reached out to me, I politely declined and said, I really appreciate that. Can you just give me a little bit longer? I promise I'll give you something worth your time, but this isn't it. And looking back, that was bold, like, because <laughs> you should take every opportunity. People say that to you, but I don't regret it because it has come full circle if that makes sense yeah and, and it is like you say it is a very bold thing to do but i can i can tell you from someone's experience as a promoter and as, as a booker and someone's been in the business a while for someone to have the maturity and the humility to say something like that that makes me even more determined to get them on board when they're ready because you know that that person isn't a dreamer you know that person is taking this seriously and i, I would imagine mm-hmm. they thought the exact same thing yeah, well, I, I appreciate that obviously coming from yourself, but uh, they obviously appreciated it and they do have a high standard. They mm-hmm. have some of the best wrestling in the world, not just women's wrestling. People like to separate the two, but they shouldn't because this is one of the best products in the world. I was not one of the best products in the world and I was nowhere near it. Um, and I think they really appreciated that honesty because they're a professional business and they understood me um, and respected it. I think they really respected what I said. So I'm so grateful for that because um, obviously it could have come across like I was saying, no, wait for me. <laughs> yeah. like I deserve to be waited on, which obviously is not what I was going for. But yeah, they they understood. And like we discussed, they came back to me and maybe two years time later and by that point i felt okay it's time it's time so take Mm -hmm. me through like a a normal kind of day-to-day when you're in stardom because you were out there you were out there for tours you were out there for months on a time weren't you so yeah what's the kind of day-to-day life like in stardom in terms of the training and and the matches and and the actual environment 
what was that like? And did you have any kind of struggles or, or, or difficulties with either communication or the language barrier or the culture? Yeah, so obviously I've heard other girls' stories of their first experiences in Japan. Um, mine seemed to be different because uh, from day one, I was paired up with Hannah Kimura, who had the most amazing English. Um, she was fluent in English um, and Japanese. So because we were working together, I had her to guide me through every step of the way. Yeah. Um, she told me what was right, what was wrong, what was respectful, disrespectful, helped me with my matches, um, everything. Uh, so obviously my experience was very, very good. Um, and I was very looked after. Um, but regardless, I think from day one, stardom really do look after you and make you feel at home. You, uh, you're always guided through it all. Um, the girls there are so respectful and lovely and look after you and make sure you're all, in, you're all well informed. Even if there is a language barrier, you just know there's kindness there and everyone wants the best for each other. Um, so in regards to that, it never crossed my mind as a problem at all. And people said that to me that I'd already been, but it scared me. But from day one, I was fine. Um, as far as the day-to-day -day goes, we would train two to three times a week and then we'd wrestle three to four times a week usually so it was quite busy but we got our days off and in our days off we could do whatever we wanted so travel around Tokyo uh go Tokyo and train some more yeah whatever we wanted it was the most amazing experience it's a perfect mixture of just exploring and having a great time and doing what you want to do which is wrestling um, and world class training. So it, it sounds like perfect. they have. A, it sounds like they have the right mix of treating it as both a job and as a pastime that is also a job. So it's not. It's not purely focused on business, business, business. But it's also not a bit of a chuckle. It's. It sounds like they've got yeah. the right mixture of giving you enough freedom and giving you enough um, personal accountability, while at the same <laughs> time expecting that the kind of the dedication back from you and kind of give and take from both sides. Yeah. I think you've got to remember if you go in, if you travel to Japan with the mindset of this is a job, I'm here to work and I'll work hard. Yeah. Um, and then that respect will come back and you can take that how you will. That's good. That's good. So if it's okay with you, let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about Hannah Kimura. I'd love to. Okay. So, you teamed with Hannah Kimura in stardom. Uh, you were the Tokyo Cyber Squad, correct? Yes, we were. Yes, we uh, yeah. yeah, before Tokyo Cyber Squad was Tokyo Cyber Squad, uh, we teamed together as the Takuka Seki Goon, as just a tag team. Um, and then it kind of evolved from there. I think uh, it wasn't until... I uh, See, I started in stardom January 2019, and mm -hmm. it wasn't until May that TCS was formed April, May. Right. So, yeah, we started as a tag team first, which was amazing because, like I say, she just helped me through everything. And yeah. I I think my experience would have been different without her, and it she made it amazing. So, It definitely sounds that way, yeah. I mean, obviously, last year, um, her death at the age of 23, it was hugely shocking uh, and it was heartbreaking to anybody in the industry and, and anyone even on the outside to hear something like that. Um, and just an awful thing. But for myself, as someone who's suffered personal loss um, mm. in myself in life, I try and be a believer in, in not mourning the loss of someone as much as celebrating their existence and what you did have with them. So, I mean, she was an amazing, amazing performer, incredible talent in the ring. I've watched her stuff mm. with you. She was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But from you, from someone that was as close to her, mm -hmm. tell me and the listeners, tell us something about Hannah Kimura herself, the person as well as the worker. Mm -hmm. um, tell us any kind of stories about her you want to share, any kind of funny or cool stories or memories and kind of what she meant to you. This is, you know, this is a real platform for you to really, to really talk about her. I always say to people that Hannah really made me who I am today. And I've always said that. 
because before I went to Japan, I was still in my show a little bit. I still was really underconfident, especially in my work. And when I met her, she was just like me, but cooler. And she was what I wanted to be as mm. a person. And she held my hand through, you know, my experience in Japan. And I became out of it so much more confident and so much happier as a person. Um, working with her made me realize who I am and who I want to be. And to me, that is so, so important to everything I do today and it, for future inside and outside of wrestling. Um, so I can't express how much she means to me as a friend, but also just as a person. Um, I can't tell someone who hasn't met her how incredible she was. I really can't. And I've tried putting it into words because people have asked me, like, what was she like? And you just can't. You just can't put it into words how amazing someone someone is, especially someone that's had such an effect on your life personally. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to talk yeah. about in regards because I just can't word it. No, I can totally sense. understand that when it's when it's something like that and it's it's something you've connected with on an emotional level you, you can't you can't express that mm -hmm. do you have any kind of either funny or impressive stories about anything that she did or anything that happened around her you want to share she's quite cheeky so I don't really want to <laughs> no, anything could get in trouble <laughs> That, that's fair yeah, enough. My stories are a bit cheeky of her. Um, I'll have to think of a few that um, would be appropriate to say, but she yeah. was the funniest person. Yeah. Um, it seems that she brought a lot of light and life into a locker room and, and obviously into your life. And I'm sure she would be incredibly happy and honored to know that the impact she had on you and helped make you the person you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she was, whenever I, I think of her every day and whenever I think of her, all I can hear is her voice saying, Bobby, you're so stupid. And she used to say that to me daily because I do something <laughs> stupid. And that's just what every day, I, I anything I do, stupid, that's what I hear in my head. I'm like, oh, I know, I know, I'm it's stupid. It's, it's important to have those good memories of people. So that's, that's good. That's really nice. Yeah, I, I hope going forward in the future like she's done so much for me and I just want to make her proud and show her that I am doing everything she taught me as a person and yeah. you know carrying that through life and that makes me happy knowing that I'm trying to do that so yeah I mean I think the fact that you know I've seen you grow from 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 nothing to where you are now and I can see the growth in you as, as a person as well as a performer um, I think you're honoring her every single time you step in the ring now because you can see it in what you do. You can see that influence and you can see those kind of life lessons. Um, mm -hmm. So I think but from a, an outsider's perspective, you're honoring her every time you get in there. So um, thank you. Yeah, you. You're doing that. Don't you worry. That, yeah, that means the world to me. I hope I can keep going forward. And I, I know that she's watching me and I hope that she's either calling me stupid or she's frightening <laughs> me or both. You yeah, probably yeah, should be doing that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, over the last five years or so, women's wrestling has exploded in both popularity and credibility worldwide, and it's been a long uphill battle for a long time. Mm -hmm. I personally think it's very, very important how women are booked, and that's why wherever absolutely possible, I don't use the term female wrestler. Yeah. For me, there's wrestlers. That's it. Some are male, mm -hmm. some are female. Some are strong, some are weak, some are big, some are small. We don't separate wrestlers based on their height or their age. So we shouldn't do the same for gender. And mm -hmm. I think that they're, they're barriers that they're being broken down, but we need to keep breaking them down, keep pushing it. Absolutely. In, yeah. Intergender wrestling in itself, it's still a work in progress for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But you've been one of the premier talents in the UK to be leading the charge of breaking that down. Mm -hmm. So how do you approach a match with a male talent as opposed to a female? Do you take it any differently? Do you treat it any differently or, or not? No, my, obviously it's really important to me and different people approach it differently. And that's fine. That's so fine. As long as you approach it the way you want to do it. But for me, if I was going in 
to a match with a male talent, I would not change anything I do. Um, I wrestled uh, a dude a couple, maybe a year and a half ago. And at the start of the match, he said, maybe it's a good idea to slap me. And I said, no, I, I don't really like slaps. And obviously, sometimes people will associate that with a female, just like a, a slap. But to me, it was really important that I stayed who I was because that makes us equal. That doesn't make it an intergender match as such. Um, and for me personally, that's what I love to do. I love to keep it the same. Um, some people don't. It's all about telling the story. And that is what the fans will connect with, regardless of how you do it. Um, so that's how I approach it personally. But everyone's different. And yeah. uh, I think it's all entertaining. So. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, mm-hmm. your match you had, uh, I think it was the year before last now, in UBW against uh, Crowley. Oh, I, Crowley. Oh, Crowley. Um, <laughs> no, I worked a very hard promoting that to, to try to never use the phrase female wrestler, never mm-hmm. use the phrase intergender, um, and trying to put it out as a as a straight-up match. And, and as it mm-hmm. was, your match was one of the best main event matches that we've ever had. And it was a fantastic match in its own right. And at no point did it look like big man versus little woman. It was two very gifted athletes having a kick-ass main event that everybody bought into, everybody got involved in, and nobody at any point looks at it as female and male. And I remember watching that back afterwards, and I was saying to one of the other guys, like, this match is, is so good. It is a killer match. And not because it's, oh, Lucy's doing so well against a bigger guy or doing so well for a female. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It was great as a wrestling match. And I think that mm-hmm. proves to a lot of people that there shouldn't be any any defining line or dividing line between the two genders. Because you mm-hmm. you absolutely owned that moment. It was even with Crowley as you know, Crowley being Crowley, you did really well. Yeah, well, thank you. Um I loved that match so much. And maybe it was for that reason because we just we both worked as if we were just two equal competitors. And it, you could really feel that actually wrestling in the match. You could feel that. There never felt like it didn't even cross my mind it was an intergender match. Do you know what I mean? Because it just felt normal. Yeah. Um, I loved it. And I think that's that's when it gets really good when yeah. stuff like that happens. And I think I enjoyed it so much. He enjoyed it so much. And hopefully everyone else did. Yeah, it did. We got we got a lot of good feedback from it, and uh, like I say, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's one of the best main events and one of the best matches we've put on. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was killer. Oh, thanks, man. Just a shame that Crowley was in it, but there you go. Yeah, well, you win some, you lose some. Exactly. Yeah. Years ago, uh, for anyone that was non-American to get anywhere near any of the major American companies was almost impossible. But nowadays, <laughs> the rosters they're stacked with multinational talent from UK, Australia, and throughout Europe. A lot of your colleagues and fellow wrestlers in the UK have been signed up to one of the big three. Opportunities bigger than ever. But at the same time, the level and quality of talent is probably better than ever. So with that in mind, who inspires you now as current former colleagues at at 24 years old as you are now to push you harder and put the extra effort in and and that drive to make it big? As of late, uh, Tony Storm has recently debuted in NXT in America. And to me, she is a perfect example of hard work and dedication and just being made for this. Um, she Every time I see her, no matter how small or big the match is, she's 100%. She's always just giving it everything. And that is someone that wants to be at the top and really wants this. And to see that every time she goes out is really inspirational and she's worked her way up from being an independent wrestler moving country to do this and you know working her way through NXT UK and winning the NXT UK championship and uh, she had a great reign in NXT UK as well as the champion and then seeing her move on to doing great things in NXT I think that's so inspirational and i love watching her so to me right now it's got to be her yeah i think with tony as well you see when she comes out that she has a presence and yes it's not Mm -hmm. something you can teach she has a presence Mm -hmm. about her she has 
she just exudes superstar. And I think she's only just starting to prove that to the to the wider audience. She's only just beginning her journey. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. over the next few years, she'll be one of the biggest, biggest stars on the horizon. And it's going to be a joy to watch because she's a fantastic performer. Yeah, no doubt about it. You've you've got that spot on. She is a superstar and she's made for this. And I, to think it's only just started is mad. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you think lies ahead for Bobby Tyler in 2021 and beyond? What's 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 the next the evolution of Bobby Tyler? Obviously you've you've come so far. What do you think's next on the horizon? Well, if you watched You Are Cordially Invited, uh she's dead. So Oh yeah, off. of course. Yeah, she's yeah. yeah. R.I.P. So, yeah, so unfortunately not. I hope that answers your question, but it does. Yeah. Well, hopefully somebody will pardon the pun, rise from the ashes. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, if you if you want to see more of her, re rewatch the film. Just just fast forward all the bits with Crowley in it. Yeah, you can get, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah just like redacted. Avoid. It's hard to avoid, but uh, do your best. Yeah. Right. Final questions. Mm-hmm. Ask the leads one by one. Favorite match you ever watched? Um, I. I remember staying up late to watch an NXT takeover uh, very early on in NXT. And it was Charlotte versus Natalia. And I can't remember too much of the match, but all I can remember is that I loved it. I loved it so much. I cried at the end of it. And it was like 4am, everyone's in bed and I'm sat in the living room crying because I just thought, I felt that. So uh, I just, for me, that's the most important thing a match can do for you. Um, yeah, regardless of what's in it. Um, so from recent memory, that, that that is one that always springs to mind because it you know, it made me quite emotional. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there because obviously we're only a couple of days after the, uh, the Royal Rumble 2021. Mm-hmm. And the talking point from everyone Beyond all the matches, beyond all the spots, beyond everything that happened, the talking point from everyone is Edge and Christian hugging. Because yeah. everyone felt that. They felt that on, a, on an emotional level. And if you can connect with people, you, that that's more than everything. And you're looking at that match you mentioned, Charlotte and, and uh, Natalia, mm-hmm. two of the absolute best of this generation or any generation. And they mm-hmm. went out there and they put, I remember it, they put on an absolutely great match that told story as well. Yeah. Um, and like you say, it connected. So I, I totally understand that. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. So like you say to me, it's not what was in the match. It's how it made you feel. So that's Absolutely. my number one. In terms of favourite match that you've been a part of? Uh, it was Tokyo Cyber Squad versus Queen's Quest in Sapporo uh, in Japan. And it was the main event, and I had so much fun. I think it ended in a time limit draw, but it was the most fun I can remember having in a match. And, yeah, that's my favourite, I think. Okay, awesome, awesome. That's good to have. Uh, Last question then. Uh, Years ago, there was a radio show called Desert Mm -hmm. Island Discs, and the entire Mm -hmm. idea was that if you were going to be stranded on a desert island, you could choose a handful of recordings and a personal item to be stranded with. So my version of that is you're stranded on a desert island. You get to take one album, one Mm -hmm. TV show, and one Mm -hmm. object with you. What do you choose? Okay, it's going to be Gorillaz, maybe Plastic Beach. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge, huge Gorillaz fan. Yes, you are. Uh, So that is my number one. Uh, TV show, it's got to be the Mighty Boosh, because... I'm just, I can never not want to watch a Mighty Boosh episode. I think it's great. Um, and what was the other one? One object. One object. Hmm. <laughs> Probably uh, my cat. Is my cat an object? I'll let you have your cat, yeah. What's your cat called? Yeah. Rocket. Rocket, fair. So you take Rocket yeah, quite- with you. Yeah, he's well fluffy, so he's like multi-use, so you can use him as a pillow. Uh, you can play with him. Although Pop-up spillages. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's a With mop. Purpose. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, he does everything for yeah. you. Scratches you, bites you. Oh, so it's um, constant, constant entertainment at the very least. Yeah, makes you Good. feel unwanted, um, and sometimes you need that. Yeah, keep life interesting. Right. Okay, we're going to finish up there, Lucy. So, one thing I'll say, and, and we'll close it up, is this year, twenty twenty one. God, I can't believe it in twenty twenty one. This marks the twenty fifth year since I first debuted. I'm that old. Congrats. In those twenty five years. I've mm-hmm. been fortunate enough to train a lot of people. I guess somewhere between 150 and 200 people across a dozen schools. Unbelievable amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of them that I'm very, very proud of that I've either trained directly or I've helped them develop from Sticks to Danny Birch in NXT to Sky to even to even to Crowley. I'm kind of proud of him. Yeah, he's all right. And I'm proud of all the current UBW roster as well that have gone through the UBW school. Yeah. You went out on the UK scene. You made a name for yourself. You went to Japan. You became a star there. You've matured so much in the last two years alone. And I feel that you're now poised to take on the world. And it's all done from your own work, your own talent, your own determination, and your own effort. Whoever's smart enough to snap you up once this apocalypse is over, (laughs) you'll see that firsthand. And I've got no doubt in my mind about that at all. But I've got to say... Of all the people that I've trained, my proudest protege, if you will, is definitely you. Oh, you can't get real emotional now. No, 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 no. Yeah. And it's, do you know what? Beyond your achievements, it's how you've grown as a person. Mm -hmm. You should be the blueprint for young up-and-coming trainees. And I do this, I do say this to, to the youngsters that come in now. You should be the blueprint for how they go about becoming a professional wrestler how they get through the business and how they do it because you've had your challenges, you've had your setbacks and you kept on going and you've achieved so much. And it's not because you've had any kind of short or easy ride. It's not because you've had any kind of favors. You've done it from hard work and I'm excited to see what's next. I'm so proud of you. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you carry on the legacy of the man that gave you everything in me. Um, so, I was waiting know, for that. It's gonna, it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be good. No, but seriously, yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And I'm, uh, hey, look, you're the first, first guest on this podcast. So, if this podcast does really well, great. If it does really bad, you forget everything that I just said in the last two minutes. Well, either way, it's my fault. Do you know what I mean? If it's good, it's my fault. If it's bad, it's my fault. I'll take either one. Absolutely. Um, that's fair. But yeah, thank you so much. That means a lot to me, especially um, in regards to what you said of me as a person, because that's the most important thing to me is how I come across and leave an impression on other people. So I'm really glad you said that. And I'm very, very grateful. Cool. Um, And we'll leave it. We'll leave the uh, the listeners with one last thing. Um, If you ever get a chance to meet Lucy in person at a signing or, uh, you know, in a police lineup or whatever, whatever (laughs) you do, don't give her a kinder egg. Yeah, that's not. Egg. It's got some kind of trigger <laughs> that causes rage in her, uh, and it's not worth it. It's not. They worth annoy it. me. They're really tasty, but they, yeah, they get a bit frustrating sometimes. I won't go into it, but yeah, no, it's best not. Look, yeah. Lucy, thank you for this. Um, thank you. I'm I'm very happy that you've been the first person to help launch this podcast, and uh, at worst case, you've been the person that's also sunk it. Thank you for mm-hmm. your time. I'm, I'm looking proud. forward to seeing what's next. Thank you. Bye bye, Lucy. Thanks. Bye. So there we have it. First podcast interview in the books. I want to thank Lucy for her time and sitting and interviewing with me and being the first person onto the from the ashes podcast uh really enjoyed having a chat with lucy and even though i was there the entire time just getting to hear what the training was like from her perspective and a bit of a deep dive into the early days of her career and learning a bit more about japan was was really nice to know as well it was very important for me to make sure she had time to speak about hanakamura and it's really nice to to know that 
she had such a positive impact on Lucy. And as I mentioned during the podcast, I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that Lucy is paying tribute to her and representing her every single time she's out there going forward. I'm very excited to see what's next for Lucy. I think that once this pandemic is over, the first opportunity she gets, the first company that's sensible enough to snap her up is going to have a major, major star on their hands that they are going to have to keep on top of because she's got so much potential, so much opportunity ahead of her that I don't think it's anything that anyone can stop. So very, very excited for Lucy's future. Hopeful for the future of this podcast. I'm going to try and make sure I get at least one interview every couple of weeks in, if not every week. So stay tuned, subscribe to this, and I'll be announcing the next guest soon. Speak soon. Bye-bye.